Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. A PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews with wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s. And also, our podcast library dating back to the year 2003. There's no larger, longer-spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a PW Torch VIP membership, now approaching 20 years of podcasting. Go VIP and dive into our post-pay-per-view roundtables, our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling, top-name long-form interviews, and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years pwtorch.com slash govip. We have a streamlined sign-up form, and you can pay with PayPal or directly with your credit card or debit card in one or two minutes. From right now, you can be a VIP member and diving into our library, pwtorch.com slash govip. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, guys, it's Tuesday night. That means we're here for PWT Talks NXT. I am Nate Lindbergh. You can follow me on Twitter at Nate Lindbergh. I write the NXT hits and misses, which you can find out for tonight on PWTorch.com if you'd like to find out what I thought of the show. Granted, that's what we're here to do is talk about the show and what we thought about it. And here to do that with me is Bruce Hazel with Bruce. Say Hey, Nate. Hey, callers, emailers, listeners. Just a quick heads up. If you go to the Torch website, the last three or the three most recent stories on there, all about NXT, the preview by assistant editor Zach Haydorn, my live report from tonight, and Nate's hit and misses from tonight, all have the 2.0 removed. So, Would you say maybe it's a takeover of PWTorch.com? Go home, Nate. So uh, uh, I, I am home. Well, you know what I mean. So, uh, so yes, the 2.0 is gone, though. I think what is interesting, and you'll see it in Nate's image for his hits and misses, is that while the new logo is displayed, 
they actually had the logo over top of the splatter in the background. So it almost looked like they just kind of photoshopped the old logo or the new logo onto the old background and left it at that. Um, it, the before we get to the cars, real quick, they'll just there was a lot, there was still a lot of the the uh, the splatter iconography throughout the show tonight, both yeah. in the building and through the graphics. So people who were again, we were saying it would be mostly aesthetic, and they didn't even go that far tonight. So maybe it's got to be a much slower rollout than we anticipated last week. Yeah, the only aesthetic change that I really noticed in the arena was the fact that the NXT logo mm-hmm. that they have up mm-hmm. in the like up was just was outlined in yellow, and which yes. I thought was actually a weird contrast to the blue ropes and stuff. Um, a little bit of purple on the inside too. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of kind of weird. Um, yeah, I'm I don't know. Like the new the new arena's kind of grown on me, but I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more black and gold. Maybe we'll see it next week. You know, where, where this was a taped show. But um, I don't know. After seeing this tonight with with the new logo and everything, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Oh, so yeah, it was taped. That, no wonder the pace felt so fast tonight. Oh. Yeah, they had some time to do some editing, some editing. Mm-hmm. All right. So normally we'll get right into the main event. However, we've got a whole bunch of people that want to talk tonight. So with that, let's just jump right into the caller portion of the show. And uh, we're going to start with. Air code 410. I think this is Kyle, but go ahead and uh, state your name which, and uh, what you think of the show. No, it's Revan Keith from Baltimore. That's who I thought it was. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. What's going on, Keith? How are you? And see, Nate, I have a bone to pick with you anyway, because I heard you, you say a couple weeks ago on a podcast that uh, Sean was your favorite caller. So I'm only talking to Doc Bruce tonight. Sorry. <laughs> Did I really? I don't. I don't remember saying that. But okay, I'll. Yes, I'll you did. Hey, if I said it, I said it. I'll go with it. I'll well, go. Well, Kelly it. was here. He'd yeah. also say but that you, you know deserve what? it. Yes, but you know what? If I have to be second fiddle, if I'm going to be second fiddle to anyone, it's got to be to Flipster Rooney because he's a big supporter of mine on Twitter. So hey, I, I love Sean just like you do. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, uh, good Reverend, what did you think of? Uh, what you think of the show tonight? What do you got for us? Yeah, it was an interesting transition from the uh, 2.0 era. And I'm going to be honest with you, I like the uh, gold and white logo. I hope they keep that. Uh, the symbol is, is very attractive and it's more appealing. I just hope that they uh, dim the lights a little because it's still too bright and it's, it's uh, um, symbolic of the 2.0 era, you know, those uh, mm-hmm. lights that they have in the arena. Um, the show I thought was interesting. Um, there were some good matches. Of course, J.D. Madonna, the former Jordan Devlin, and Tyler Bate cannot have a bad match. I mean, no. I've seen them wrestle before. I thought this match was uh, a banger, uh, as uh, Braun Breaker said. Um, over and over again table. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. They need to teach him some more words to use. Because uh, he kept repeating himself. You right, Doc. He's a Bruce. Steiner, Reverend. Like, he can't remember all those words. <laughs> <laughs> took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but I thought they put on a banger. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting to see somebody try to use a uh, uh, what you call it, an airplane spin into a standing shooting star press to a pinning combination. I haven't seen that since the 1980s. But I give Tyler Bate credit. It was a transitional sequence there. But I thought the two Spanish flies, especially the one that led to the finish at the end, I thought they were spectacular. What were your thoughts of the overall presentation of uh, Bate versus McDonough? Personally, this was my match of the night. Um, I, I 
I absolutely loved this match. I like the fact that there are two NXT UK guys that are main eventing, well, former NXT UK guys, because it's no longer a thing, but that are main eventing NXT US. Um, I just thought that was cool in and of itself. But the fact that it was Tyler Bate and JBD McDonough, as as you said, Keith, they can't have a bad match. Um <clears throat> This was like fast paced, high octane match all the way. I don't know where I came up with the high octane thing lately. That's been like my thing the last couple of weeks, but you know, whatever, I'll grow out of it. Um, really just an incredible match. Um, I think JD McDonough was probably the right choice here to go over. Um, although I really wanted to see bait win, but I think it was the right choice to go over because you know, now we can do a heel face dynamic. We also saw Ila Dragunov um, make his way back uh, to NXT uh, after having to vacate the NXT UK title, which Tyler Bate won before NXT UK was, uh, was, you know, kind of disbanded. Um, but Ilya Dragunov has been out due to injury for quite some time now. So we saw him return to Tonight and kind of also lay claim to the NXT title. Maybe um, it seems like we might be in store for like a triple threat between Dragon on McDonough and Breaker. Um, so we'll kind of see where that where that plays out, uh, especially over the course of the next couple weeks. Um, but that's also a super intriguing to me, too. Ilya Dragunov is incredible, and I think getting all three of those guys in the ring for a triple threat could be phenomenal. And I'm not usually one in favor of a triple threat match. Um, but overall, like I said, I think this was my match of the night. Um, but like you said, those two Spanish flies are absolutely incredible. The one that... Uh, I mean, the one that uh, got the pinning combination, I think, was like the cooler one. But then at the same time where he caught Tyler Bate, when Tyler kind of what does that like neck slingshot off the top rope? I don't know what to really call it. Um, but when he caught him there with that Spanish flood, that was just like that was insane. I didn't even know what happened. I had to go back and rewind it because um, it just happened so fast. So like absolutely phenomenal match. I liked the presentation. Um, and like I said, I think the right person came out um, you know, victorious tonight. Bruce, what'd you think of the main event? Yeah. Uh, basically what I wrote in my report, you know, you just don't expect these two to have a bad match. This is also, so I said there were two, three, three main things. I think, um, hold on real quick. Holding. So I said that there were three main things tonight that really make it seem that that have some um, callbacks to black and gold. And one would be the main event. And so that main event that we watched is going to be sort of the template of what I think we should expect from NXT main events going forward, which was what we saw a lot during Black and Gold. And the other two things were the announcement of the North American Championship ladder match, which was how the title was introduced to the um, uh, the promotion or the brand, I guess you should, you should, uh, I guess I should say. And then Dragunov because of how integral he was to UK when it was still really connected to black and gold in a certain way, especially in terms of style and presentation. So I think that the main event was indicative of trying to placate some of the fans who think that black and gold is coming back right away, but also ensuring that it's within the storylines and the, the, the fuse that have been built within NXT 2.0 the past few months. Both of these two men have been uh, the last two challengers for Braun Breaker's NXT Championship. Uh, McDonough first, and then Bate most recently at Worlds Collide. And I think the, 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 the finish here is predictable just because unless circumstances are, are unavoidable, like Bate being NXT UK champion at the time they decided to shut it down, they're, 
WWE doesn't like doing face versus face matches that much for championship matches. So I think that was expected. Here is also a good way to give Breaker another definitive win over McDonough. Or if you go with a surprise, you could have McDonough go over. But then again, Dragunov coming out makes it just like a triple threat match, as you alluded to. And I'm not so I still think I'd rather see a singles match or a singles feud between Dragunov and Breaker. I just don't want to have to listen to both of them on the mic because they both kind of have the similar uh, disposition, I guess. They're very they're very intense and furious so i I would uh yeah the a triple threat match should be fine with them it would be it'll probably be very fast paced it'll probably be a pain in the ass to to cover and and report on but it'll be fun i i just think that they're relying a bit too much because on triple threat matches because we just had one for the women's championship uh at worlds collide as well and um, you also have another multi-person match with the North American Championship match. Then we had the four-person, the four-team elimination tag team championship match. So there's just all these different sort of multi-people matches are getting at to try and fit everyone into into feuds, which at one point NXT didn't have enough talent to do this, and now they're trying to fit too much in at one time. So we've gone from one end to the other, and there's there hasn't been a nice balance found yet. Uh, but uh, the Spanish flies so. They were both nice, but I think the the first one was more impressive to me because it came off the rebound lariat that Tyler Bate does so often, and it was so smooth and done in motion. There was no pause. There was no break. Um, you know, earlier in the night when you watched Sangha versus Von Wagner, for example, you could definitely see where they were trying to set up for their things. But this one, it, it was so fluid that it looked like uh, it looked like it was choreographed in the best way possible. Like it, it was just McDonough using the momentum of his opponent to, and to his advantage, and to me that one was more impressive because of that and how quickly he snapped it off. The the Avalanche one is always impressive because of how high you can get, but being the, being able to do it just on the mat and taking your opponent straight to the mat uh, by flipping them like that, I think is pretty damn impressive. And I know you also have to rely on your opponent to flip with you, so uh, kudos to both men on that one. And yeah, I think. Um, I think I would have been more excited had Dragunov made his return after the end of the next, after the end of the McDonough Breaker Championship match. But that's not happening anymore. So I guess we'll just see where this goes and probably a, a triple threat at Halloween Havoc. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. And, and I mean, there there is six weeks away, I think, to Halloween Havoc. So I mean, there sh- there might be something that goes on where. You know, we we even maybe get a match or something before that, but I have a feeling this is all going to culminate in six weeks. Halloween Havoc. Well, I also think that you can't have McDonough go on another number one contenders match after he just won one. You know, so it's yeah, they kind of booked themselves into a little corner here. So they're going to have to find a way to extend it out six weeks or have it earlier and then have the singles match at Halloween Havoc. Yeah, something like that for sure, for sure. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze 
what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Um, Keith, any follow-up, or uh, what's the next uh, talking point? Well, I like the fact that Dragunov is now in NXT. Uh, he's a superior talent, and they will definitely have some fun booking him. I mean, there's, there's so many uh, incredible matchups he could have. you know. So I look forward to seeing Dragunov in the title hunt. I don't think it'll take him long to get there. He, made, he staked his claim tonight. Uh, as you said, Doc Bruce, uh, it'll probably end up being a triple threat between he, uh, McDonough, and Breaker. I'm sure McDonough will, be, will eat the pin if that's the case. Uh, let's see if they can drag it out six weeks. Let's just give now to the women's title pitcher. Now, I like the fact that Alba Fire staked her claim last week on NXT uh, with Mandy Rose. Now, they have a ton of women uh, that's vying for title contention. And actually, the match with uh, Cora Jade versus Wendy Chu tonight didn't did not disappoint. Wendy Chu is really showing her wrestling skills more and more, even though she has a playful gimmick. Uh, she can really go. And uh, I thought this was a, a formidable win for Corey Jade. Your thoughts? Yeah, I do. I think it was definitely a big, uh, you know, a, a pretty decent win for Corey Jade. The match itself, I, I have to give them both credit. Like, I think it was a pretty good match for, for both of them. Um, Wendy Chu, obviously being, you know, the more of the, the veteran in the ring right now. Um, I really like her as a, like, the wrestler. I don't like the Wendy Chu gimmick, which I've mentioned before. I've mentioned, you know, he, both here and on uh, in my hits and misses column. The gimmick is just, I don't know, it's just not believable for me. Um, and it's not like, I don't know, it's not it's not a gimmick that should be pushed the way that it was pushed, especially to even get garner a women's title match like she did, you know, a couple few months ago. Um, but in terms of this match, you know, I, like I thought that I thought it was a I thought it was pretty pretty decent overall match. Um, you know, Cora Jade, she's also somebody that I want to like um, and I want to get behind, but I'm just I'm having some hard hard time doing it. Um, I I was starting to get behind her more after the heel turn, actually big time. I was getting behind her after the heel turn, and lately she's really just come off to me as like a petulant 13 year old bully. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really like that direction. Um, I feel like she can certainly play a good heel. And I feel like her heel character is light years ahead of her face character. But uh, just there's still something there. And I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But I don't know if it's her acting ability or, or what. But if she just, to me, comes across like a like a 13-year-old bully. And... Um, it doesn't really work for me as like the top or a top heel in, in the female division. So I don't know. Um, so like this match for me, like it was in a way hard for me to get into because as I wrote in the hits and misses, uh, th these are basically two, two gimmicks that I really don't care about. Um, but to their credit, they went out and they actually put on a pretty entertaining match. So I, I got to give them that um, with Cora Jade. 
I hope that we see her kind of getting away from the Roxanne Perez stuff a bit more. I was actually kind of surprised Perez didn't come out and attack her tonight after she attacked Perez last week. Um, but we saw Lash Legend come out uh, with the attack anyway on Wendy Chu, kind of furthering their feud. Um, so, yeah, you know, overall, there was there's a lot going on here. Some good, some not so good. Um, but I, I definitely gave this one, a you know, kind of like a lukewarm hit and the hits and misses because, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily a bad match or anything like that. Um, I'm just, like I said, I'm not really behind these two competitors. So, uh, Bruce on uh, Wendy Chu and Cora Jade. So I would disagree on match quality a bit. I don't think it was bad, but I don't think it was stand out. Like there, there was nothing in the match that stood out to me except the ending because it seemed like the ending was botched. And other than that, you know, the match to me, it was there. It was fine. Um, I don't think it's it's going to be on any woman's highlight reel. I will oh, say, yeah. and I, I wasn't I wasn't trying to imply that either. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a decent match, but it wasn't anything right home about. Yeah. Chu has better attire now. She's not coming out in onesies, at least. She's coming out more in, like, what you kind of see women's wrestlers wear at times. Only the design is still a bit pajammy, so there's that. Uh, I did like her stink face that she gave to Cora Jade before the match started, but that was good. But, yeah, Cora Jade, um, you can still see that there, there are parts during her matches where she's still trying to, to figure out the timing and remember yeah. the spot. And that showed a bit here. And, you know, that's to be expected. But I don't think she's shown as much growth as people hoped for her when, you know, she first debuted and she had the whole babyface gimmick going on, even though she was acting like a heel, you know, stealing titles and whatnot. But for 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 Cora Jade, this is a big win because regardless of how Wendy Chu's character has been pushed, she's she's always She's basically been used as the person to set up the next uh, woman for whatever feud they're going to be in. So, you know, she lost to Tiffany Stratton. Uh, I think she lost to... Uh, oh, who am I forgetting? Uh, but then now she loses here to um, to Cora Jade. And, you know, going back to the vignette, uh, the video with, with Roxanne Perez and Maple Sadamora, they, they brought her up and they showed her hitting, hitting Perez. And I was... I was fully expecting to hear from Cora J during that video, but yeah. they focused on Perez and they focused on Sadamora. And be- I think because they had Lash Legend coming out to attack shoot, they didn't have anything to do with Perez and Jay. So that's probably got to be something for next week. But it, it 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 is a bit odd that she's still being brought up, and it makes sense because she was she attacked last week, but that there's no follow up this week besides the video. And the video was good. Don't get me wrong, but we didn't hear from Jade, and I think that was the one missing piece here because she was basically called out in that video by both of the women, and she just got a victory, and we didn't hear from her. And I think that was the one area that I think had we had that happened, I would have been much higher on this whole match, uh, everything to do with Cora Jade and Wendy Chu, and yeah, so not not the not the best match not not the worst match just just there and then yeah the ending it looked like Cora Jade was supposed to pull off the middle turnbuckle and it just got a little loose and you know a little loose turnbuckle isn't going to knock Wendy Chu out enough to land a DDT uh, and then score the victory so I think that also took away from it for me fair enough man fair enough uh Keith any follow-up on that or uh, do you have another talking point I'll give you one more if you've got it because we do have two more people on the line Yes, certainly. I think the female whom Doc Bruce was referencing was Tiffany Stratton, because uh, 
Wendy Chu went one and one in her matches against Stratton, if I if I recall. Um, now I think moving Stratton on won with, the last think, one though. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think she did. Yes, and that's who you were referencing. Yes, so yeah. we all are correct here. Um, my third and final point of the evening uh, pertains to the A champion, Carmelo Hayes. Now, I find it odd that he and Trick did the job to chase you tonight. Now, you could look at that one of two ways. Maybe they want to um, humble him or, or get him ignited in another feud or could we perhaps be foretelling a call up to the main roster? Because I think it would be cool to have him uh, follow Sokoa to SmackDown. And even Ricochet said that in a recent interview that I read uh, moments before the show aired, that if Sokoa is a champion on SmackDown, Ricochet stated that he doesn't see why Carmelo shouldn't be a champion on either Raw or SmackDown. Now, um, because you 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 and you guys know that Hayes and Trick should not be losing to uh Andre Chase and Body Haywood. So do you foresee this as a potential call up and he's doing his job on the way out, or do you see this as perhaps them umbling Carmelo and perhaps moving him in another direction? Um, down in NXT. Once again, thanks for taking my call, gentlemen. I was honored to be able to call tonight because I had a rare Tuesday night off. You guys do a great job on Tuesday nights, and uh, talk to you soon. All right, Keith. Hey, man, thank you as always. We appreciate it. So I agree. I don't think that uh, they should have lost Andre Ch- to, Ch- to Chase University tonight. I, I was kind of scratching my head a little bit on, on that one as well. Um, it was kind of nice to see Chase University get a win, uh, you know, over, especially over somebody, you know, like Mello and, and, and Trick Williams. But, um, but yeah, it did seem a little bit strange to me. I don't think it's call up eminent because we have, uh, we have Carmelo Hayes officially in that ladder match at Halloween Havoc. So I don't think it's like a call up, you know, he's you know, doing the favor tonight and he'll be on SmackDown or Raw, you know, next week or whatever. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I I could certainly see Mello, you know, maybe losing at Halloween Havoc, losing the ladder match and then going to Raw or SmackDown. I mean, I think Carmelo Hayes is probably the most polished act. And I'm going to put Trick Williams in there as well. I think the two of them are probably one of the most polished act, if not the most polished act in NXT um, and they could go to, they could go to the main roster, you know, Im- immediately and, and not, not flounder or anything like that. I'm really impressed with trick Williams uh, on the mic uh, tonight. Like he said something like Bodie bro, uh, Bodie jabroni. Bodie, Bodie, Jabro- yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh man, like he just spit that out so quick. Um, it was, it was fantastic. He, he really flowed on the mic tonight. Not that he doesn't normally, um, you know, but I mean, he's, he's really come a long way from his first, you know, his first time on the mic, um, which even then, even his first time on the mic, I thought he was great, but he's, he's, he's really like, you know, gotten comfortable with his character. And uh, I've, I've got to give him a lot of credit for, for what he does on the mic. Cause I think he really, not that Carmelo couldn't do it on its own, but I think the hype from, um, from Williams and just everything that Williams kind of brings to the act really helps to elevate Carmelo Hayes. Um, 
But yeah, I don't think it's a, an imminent call up. I'm I'm not, and I don't necessarily think it was like to humble Hayes or or uh, Trick Williams either. I I think there's some sort of a story there that that might be building between Chase U and and uh, Mello and and Williams, but uh, I'm not quite sure what it is. It's like I said, this 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 finish was a little bit uh, head scratching for me as well because yeah, you know, Chase University they're just further down the card than than uh, the A champion and uh, Trick Williams, so. Bruce, what do you make of all of this? I disagree again. Uh, this, I'm gonna. Well, well, fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk a bit though, because there's a lot involved in and why. So, if you're going to have Hayes and Williams as a tag team match to chase you, and if you're going to have Hayes take the pin from Chase, even if it's just a sneaky pin, this is the best time to do it because not only is he still frustrated about the loss of his title. He wasn't given the title he thinks was his when Shawn Michaels stripped Solo Sokoa of it to start the show. Further, he was also given a bye into the ladder match. So, storyline perspective, all you need to do is come out next week and have Hay said, yeah, I overlooked him because I'm the A champion. And I usually don't deal with people like, you know, I don't usually don't deal with the fodder like that. You know, put him down. And just say, but you know what? I'm back focused. This is all going to be mine. And just have him start winning matches. And you could have him beat Bodie Hayward, then beat Andre Chase, and then get him ready for for Halloween Havoc. Um, It's not the same realm, but it's similar to the Hurricane beating The Rock with a roll-up on Raw in, what, 02? So uh, there are times you can pull this off. And with Hayes being the top person on the brand, regardless of what Braun Breaker wants, wants to say. We've been discussing this for months now. Him taking a loss here also keeps the fans honest, because we expect him to just go over so easily, right? And, uh, you know, I didn't look at spoilers uh, for the tapings or whatnot, so if you had come into this and you didn't know anything, then this is a memorable moment for you to think about coming out of the shows. Whoa, Carmelo Hayes actually lost to Andre Chase. It was a tag team match, but he took the pin, and Andre Chase got that. So, um, now, I'm going to move to the ladder match real quick, even though we only have two official people, because even with two official people right now, and I don't care who else is going to join, I only see, I only see uh, two outcomes for this. The first, to me, is Carmelo Hayes uses what happened tonight as a, a platform to reassert himself and reinvigorate himself and stay focused and uh, add an edge to him and just take it to everybody and win that title back at Halloween Havoc. The other to me is Wesley. Now, his promo tonight or his little video, I think uh, while while he delivered it well, it made him look like a stupid, like just a, just a dumbass because he was given the opportunity to have a buy. But he's like, nope, I want to earn it. It's like, dude, you already earned it. They were offering you that. You really just got to take that. And you know it's bad when the heel stacks. Channing Lorenzo comes in and says, you always take the free ride. You can't for your heel to undermine a face like that. It's just it, it's not how you're supposed to be riding these things, right? So, I think that was dumb. But however, I see Lee as the only other person right now, even though he hasn't qualified yet, uh, to win this title because who has Lee been entangled with the entire time he's been back as a singles wrestler? Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. He's had matches with both of them. Williams has interfered in these matches multiple times, and they've always, and they attacked him last week when he was supposed to be the one to challenge for the North American Championship. 
he could be the one to thwart Hayes and Williams at the ladder and then knock them off as they usually do in WWE, and he's the one to climb up and grab it and become North American champion. That could be a way to send Hayes off, or it could be a way to give Lee um, his first legit title defense against the former champion before sending Hayes off. So yeah, I think it's option C. I don't think it's they're humbling him. I think this is, I think the Chase winning here is really just it, it fits the story and it fits the storyline to me well. Um, and I don't think that it, it's a call up or an imminent call up or even a call up you know in the next few weeks or even at Halloween having. So I think this is just a way for them to, uh, because Hayes has the buy, it's a good way to give Hayes something to do in the meantime, while still remaining focused on becoming North American champion. He could look at these as, you know how international uh, soccer or football teams, they have friendlies and exhibitions before they go on to have the tournament matches or the qualifiers. He can look at, at what he does over the next five weeks as friendlies as the prep as the scrimmages before he goes on to to the actual event at halloween havoc so uh, i also think that show or that match is probably going to open the show because traditionally these matches have opened or these types of matches have opened you know takeovers pay-per-views and whatnot so all that being said um i disagree with you and the reverend on, on the, the the finish in terms of it being questionable i think this is the perfect time to do it if you're going to do it um it also gives chase a, a notch in his belt and chase you a notch in their belts as you know they're not going to move very far up but this is i think uh, you got to give them at least one or two wins here and there to, to 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 make it seem like they're not always just going to lose to a certain extent so yeah um yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to how they tell the story over the next five weeks and to who else qualifies for this north american championship match Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's PWTorch.com. All right. So with that, I oh, I am unmuted. I thought I was muted for a second. OK, I, I, I tricked myself out and I wasn't I didn't even have to. With that, let's go back to the phone lines and we'll go over to area code 615. So uh, 615, go ahead, state your name, where you're calling from. Nate and Bruce, this is Sean, BFE of Mercer, Tennessee. And Nate, I will say, first of all, Reverend Keith, you know, I will say Keith or Kelly was the one that said I was his favorite caller. And I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of that. But, you know, I will I'll take over the grain of salt, but it's good. I'm happy for it. Uh, but, Nate, it's always good to talk to you, man. Bruce, it's been a long time, man. How are you doing? Yes. my friend? Uh, I am doing very, very I'm, I'm doing well. And I'm also constantly sweating living in Honolulu. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the humble brag, the humble brag, you know, just saying. Hey, the humidity is like at 85, 90 percent over here every day. So it's rough. Yeah. All right. OK, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll take my New England weather then. <laughs> and you know what, Sean, I'm, gl- I'm glad you I'm glad you. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go, go, I had a weird thought. So go, go with what you were saying. I'll, all I was going to say was I'm glad that you said that it was Kelly that said that because I, when when Keith brought it up, I was like, I, I mean, I like talking to Sean. Don't get me wrong, but I have no recollection of saying that whatsoever. 
<laughs> so, okay, cool. I feel a little bit better about that. <laughs> no, I was going to say, Bruce, I will say it's pretty humid here where I'm at. It's like, it feels like a hundred today and it will be again tomorrow, but thank goodness this yeah. weekend, it'll finally cool off and be more like normal kind of fall, getting close to fall weather, but it is pretty warm here too. So I, I feel your pain there, but I just got back in town from, uh, Iowa. I actually went to Iowa for a few days, and it felt really nice there. I was like, I wish I could have that weather all the time. That would be amazing. But anyway, that's neither here nor, nor there. I wanted to say um, the show was pretty good tonight, but I want to go back to real quick a little bit about uh, Wendy Chu and Cora Jade. I'm with you, you know, you guys. As far as I, I, I think Wendy Chu is so freaking talented, and yeah, the gimmick is just bad. I, I just I, I talked to Greg. Did I bring it up with you, Nate? Were you on with Greg when I brought that up about how I can't yeah. stand Wendy Chu's character and it's just awful? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. yeah, I was on um, with Greg with I, that. I don't like that at all. And I, and, but she's so good, and I, I think they can do some stuff with her. And I'm curious to see where they go. But I did think the match was good. I, I'm with both of you guys as far as it was definitely was not a great match, but I thought it was, you know, pretty well worded. And, it was, and, it was and I wanted to say about Lash. Yeah. Yeah. And with Lash. You know, I'm willing to give Lash time because she is still very new and very, very, very green. I, I watched her play in Mississippi State and women's basketball, and she was a great basketball player. But, I mean, she's got a long way to go. That kick, I mean, I know she's got, well, number one, she's got the heels on, which it's going to be hard to kick with heels anyway. And then oh, the kick was just she had so much light. I, I mean, what did you guys think about how, was that one of the worst kicks? I, you know, I, I just. I blame Chu on that when she I, bumped early. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, I'd, I'd have to go back and see it. I'd have she to go turned back a bit early on the kick before it got there, and I think that's why it showed so much light. Okay. Yeah. It was. But Lash has a long, you know, definitely a long way to go. I mean, I, I, I'm going to give her time because again, it's, it's still, you know. But and, and with her, and, and I think Chu can help her have a good match because Wendy is really good in the ring, and so I'm curious to see how that would that match would go. Um, but going back to one of the main topics I was going to bring up because I hadn't brought it up yet. I haven't seen, I haven't got to watch as, I mean, as much of NXT as I would like. I, I keep up with your guys' reports, so I'm always keeping up with what's going on, but I haven't got to watch as much as I would like. But the Axiom Nathan Frazier match, I thought, again, at the beginning of the show, I thought it was really, really good. I, I thought it was very hard hitting, very, again, fast paced because Axiom is going to fly around. But I thought a lot of the stuff was pretty crisp. So I want to hear what you guys thought about the match in general, but then kind of talk about I don't know Nathan Frazier especially very well, I, I haven't heard as much about him. So I wanted you guys to talk about him and kind of his trajectory and where you think he can go and just what you guys thought about the match. Yeah, sure. So as, as far as the match went, uh, I thought this was going to be my match of the night until the main event. Um, this was a phenomenal match as far as I'm concerned. It was a little bit different than their first match. I feel like there was a little bit more technical wrestling here, um, but they still kept it super entertaining. Um, you know, the crowd was the crowd was solidly behind the match the entire way, as far as I remember. Um, so I, I, I did. I really dug this. And I, I mean, it was kind of predictable you get a best of three or a best of five or something like that you know it's yep. gonna go all the way to three or five or, or wherever it's gonna go so i had a feeling like, we're gonna see yeah i know right it's like crazy 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 talk um so you kind of knew nathan fraser was probably gonna get the win tonight most likely gonna get the win tonight um but even even knowing that i still really really enjoyed the match um you know they uh i, I don't feel like they like pulled yeah well I'll say pulled any punches but um you know they, they just 
went like full 10 out of 10 you know um they went from zero to 60 like super quick um is i guess what i'm trying to say um nathan frazier i'm like i'm only familiar with his stuff in nxt not necessarily in nxt uk um but i mean from from what i've seen so far i think he's got a pretty decent trajectory i don't necessarily think we'll see him at like you know the nxt championship uh level but i could certainly see him you know challenging for the north american title um you know if he wasn't doing this thing with axiom right now i could see him maybe even you know in that ladder match for the nxt uh north american title um but uh but yeah you know overall like i said i think this was a it was a great match a little bit different than their first which i think was a you know a good idea to switch it up a little bit um but yeah overall uh i'm, I'm really digging this uh axiom you know we've, we've seen him you know he's seen his work as a kid and like he's he's just a, a great talent I'm, I'm really liking this this character under the hood the entrance is still a little weird but whatever i'll go with it um but overall i, I really like both of these characters and i think they're uh i think i think they're probably both at like a north american title level is is at least as of what i've seen so far bruce yeah so um i you know i i love these two when they get in the ring that great chemistry great matches I hate that I've had to cover both their matches so far, so I hope Kelly gets the third <laughs> one because they're probably going to go insanely fast in that third match. Uh, my hands were hurting after the... I, I noted in the Slack, like, they started the night off with Axiom versus Fraser, and I still have to cover a whole extra... a whole other... you know, the rest of the night. I'm not, My hands are going to be sore tonight. And they definitely were because they... even when they're doing the technical, you know, British mat wrestling stuff, like Tyler Bate, they're, they're going so quick in their counters and their chainings that it's just... it's hard to just... to, to list everything they do. Um, their match two weeks ago started out more of a... Uh, more fast-paced, and then end, and then uh, after the commercial break, they came back and it was more of a, a methodical limb-attacking um, pace set by Axiom. This week they reversed it and they went more of the technical stuff in the beginning and more of the hard hitting and, and flying stuff in the second half after the commercial. So uh, and, and I I think I predicted that would happen after that that match two weeks ago and then said that in the third match it's gonna go full out which probably which they could extend it to Halloween Havoc but it might just end up being a main event of TV someday and that could also end up being the quali- one of the qualifiers for the North American Championship ladder match. So don't be surprised if that That's does a good happen. Point. Because, I didn't think about know, that. That's a good well, point. You know, if you're a manager, you can look at it and say, wow, you two have been performing really well. You have a, you have one on each other. The rubber match is going to determine um, one of the qualifying spots because you two have done enough to be considered for that spot. You know, I, I, more than Tony D'Angelo has done the last month and a half, that's for sure. So yeah. uh, so, 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 I think that, that could definitely happen. Um, it might be for the last qualifying spot as well. Um, I, even though so, – so I wrote that even though you knew who was going to win this match – all of the the dramatic moments, except for maybe one or two, went to Fraser's way. So you were still drawn into like, oh, is this going to be the finish? Oh, is this going to be the finish? Oh, no. And, and I think mm-hmm. that that helped because of the predictability of what was going to happen. Uh, two, uh, the, the one main spot that stood out to me was when Axiom was setting up for his finisher, which is the leaping super kick that Wade Barrett called, what did he call it? The golden ratio. Um and as he leaped to do that, he got drilled by Fraser's super kick, and he just crumpled in the air. Yeah. And I thought that was done so well. Uh, the timing was just perfect. It didn't show any light. It looked brutal. 
and the fact that he kicked out, you know, that was that was cool. Uh, the brainbuster, the shooting star press, the the finishing Phoenix splash that was just picture perfect. I, I think what we saw tonight, especially towards the end, is a a preview of what the full third match is going to end up being like in terms of the moves, the pace, uh, and just kind of the overall athleticism that will be on display. So. Uh, again, hopefully Kelly is the one doing that last match whenever it happens because uh, it's definitely going to be a strain on the fingers. But um, I think right now their level is definitely going to be North American Championship. But Triple H has also shown, look at Johnny Gargano, look at Adam Cole. Yep. He will put the main title on people who we might not look at as the main champion just because of their size. Axiom is taller, but he's also skinny. Fraser is shorter, but he's a little more stocky than Axiom. I could see both of them if they get a, if they get enough crowd reaction, they put on some strong performances. Don't be surprised if they're challenging or even winning a, a, one of the main titles in NXT, or I guess the main title in NXT, um, and moving into Raw and SmackDown if they're immediately going into sort of a, a United States Intercontinental Championship level because of their performances and how much Triple H trusts them. Because I don't think they've done anything since they've been in NXT or NXT UK that on screen i can't speak to anything off screen i've never heard anything bad about either of them but um at least on screen they haven't done anything to tell me that there should be little faith in them they just keep reinforcing my thoughts about them week in and week out and i think it was the best stroke of luck for them to put these two in a series together because their styles mesh so well together that i think we're seeing the 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 peak of their potential in their matches uh, with each other. And I think that'll come to a head uh, in the third match. Um, and also, if you don't know much about Nathan Fraser, he's the former Ben Carter, I believe, before he came to NXT. I think he even had a match or two in AEW as Ben Carter before he fully signed with NXT. So uh, just uh, if you want to go back and watch some of his stuff before, then look for the name Ben Carter. Ben Carter. Yeah. All right. Good to know. I believe. Good to know, let, me, I let, me, know. let me just check again, but as you're talking, I'll just make sure. Sounds good. Sounds good. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Sean, any follow-up, or uh, do you have anything else for us? Yeah, I was just going to bring up two quick things. The first was going back to the beginning when... They did the thing with Solo saying he couldn't win the title because of the way he won it, which, you know, made sense. He came in in a, you know, a heelish way and it didn't make it, you know, it's like, okay, Shawn Michaels. And it was good to see Shawn Michaels on the show. It really was. It was, a good, it was a good way to start the show. And with him to do that with Sokoa and then, you know, not just give it to Carmelo and say, hey, you got to earn it. So what did you guys think of the segment itself, how Shawn did it and how, like, did you think a ladder match was a good idea? Like, what did you guys think of that segment and how they built to that match altogether? What did you think of that? I think we've been predicting a ladder match for a month or two now, actually, on the show, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we, we've definitely talked about it. We've definitely talked about it. Um, I, I really liked the segment. Honestly, the, the 
thing about Sokoa, you know, coming in for a non-sanctioned match and yada, 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 that was a little weird for me because we've had other people come down and do the same thing and challenge for titles. But, uh, you know, I mean, Dolph Ziggler did it, you know, and won the NXT title uh, without talking to any authority figure. So I thought it was a little just weird and arbitrary that they did it with Solo Sokoa, but you know, it's wrestling, so I can't think about it too hard. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it sort of made sense. It made sense because, you know, he did something he wasn't supposed to do or whatever. Um, but it's also one of the things that I I feel like you do need, at least in today's day and age, where a, an authority figure has been so prevalent in WWE and in, in wrestling in general, you have to have some sort of an authority figure. I'm not saying they need to be on screen every week. I'm not saying they need to be the ones making every single match or, or anything like that. But the fact that there hasn't been an authority figure in NXT 2.0 in the past year since William Regal has left, um, that every match is an unsanctioned match, right? I mean, who's who's actually making these matches? Um, Shawn Michaels. Well, and, and we've had, but I mean, even tonight, how many matches we had at least two matches that just started yep. from, yeah. you know, Prompted. just yeah. that from nothing. pissed me off reviewing it, but that's a different. Yeah. Story, <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's just some consistency. I would like to see a little bit more consistency if they're going to strip a title from somebody because of, you know, it, it was in a quote unsanctioned match. Well then don't, throw two other unsanctioned matches on the same show. Um, that just seems weird to me. So that nitpick aside, um, I, I really, I really liked the angle. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it kind of, ex- it gives Solo Sokoa, um, you know, an out. So he doesn't have to be, you know, down in NXT and, and then running around to raw and SmackDown too. So it gives him a bit of an out. Although I would have liked to see him as a you know, North American champion for a little bit longer. Um, and it also helps to build to this this match at Halloween Havoc. Um, yeah, as Bruce said earlier in the night, the North American title was introduced by a ladder match. I feel it's you know kind of fitting. Why not throw it throw it up again in a ladder match? Um, and it, with it being a five way ladder match, I feel like it's 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 going to be uh, it's going to be a car crash. Um, depends on who's going to be in it. Obviously, so far we just have um, Carmelo Hayes and uh, Oro Mensa, which yeah, we'll talk about him later, I'm sure. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm I think it was a good angle overall. I think building to a ladder match at Halloween Havoc is is a good idea. Um and it's I could even see that I think I could see that probably kicking the show off. Um I think the NXT title will probably be the main event, but I could so certainly see that. Did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, but I could certainly see it kicking the show off. Um, you're kicking Halloween Havoc off uh, with, uh, you know, just with a bang. So, uh, but now, you know, now that you've caught me stealing the things you've already said, go ahead and uh, go ahead and flap your gums, Bruce. <laughs> um, well, so let me say, let me, let me put, let me say what I didn't like about the opening segment first, and then I'll get to the, to what I liked about it, because I think it's even or tilted more to the positive side. So what I didn't like is if it should have not count if, if it shouldn't have counted in the first place because he disappeared and wasn't a choice then why did you let the match occur last week you right. know like the match shouldn't have happened if he wasn't supposed to be there um, then the the segment itself I think Shawn Michaels did fine I think everyone did fine here Solo Sokoa it's interesting when you look at the bloodline they break the rules. But it's one of those to only admit to it if they get caught. So Solo here saying, all right, the rules are the rules, is him being 
acknowledging that he got caught breaking the rules, right? Because the bloodline, they 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 don't yeah. care yeah. about the rules, but mm-hmm. it's only when they get caught, right? So I like that bit of consistency here because we talked before, especially during Worlds Collide buildup, how there wasn't any character consistency in those who came from Raw SmackDown to encourage those on NXT or NXT UK, and it made sense to a certain extent, but also didn't when you think about the the to, for quote to, to, for for lack of a better term. When you think about the WWE universe as a whole, and Hayes, I think was perfect in his indignant attitude towards Sokoa, and then turning that on Michaels for not awarding him the title immediately. Uh, although I I do think it was smart to have him get the buy because he was the former champion. Um, and, and you know we talked last week about mm-hmm. how Hayes has has outs in terms of losing because it wasn't one of the three people that he was preparing for, and it was someone who wasn't even on the roster because they had been uh, the the Saturday before that they basically signaled that they were going to be on SmackDown now when they interfered at Clash of the Castle. So I I think. That, that all works in Hayes' favor. It goes back to what I said earlier about him taking the loss to, to Andre Chase. I think it all works in the storyline here. So so there's that. Um, those are the things I didn't like about it. Oh, and the other thing I didn't like about it. Too many damn camera cuts, even for a pre-recorded segment. They, they just kept going back and forth and back and forth. It's okay to leave your shot on people and let them work. Let us understand and try and, and have them convey their emotions and their messages to us through their acting instead of you constantly cutting back and forth between the same damn spot, the same damn, the same person saying this things, saying their same lines. Like it's, it's the same. There's they, he changes. They, they cut the cameras over and over again while the person is saying one line. And it just is too much. Uh, even for a pre-recorded segment, they're doing this. And so that bugged me. Um, I think the best thing to come out of this is it gives a legitimate reason to have the multi-person ladder match. And it's, in a sense, a, at least how it seems like they're booking these matches, almost like a mini breakout tournament because you have Oral Mensa tonight coming. You have Wesley, who was there before, uh, but basically coming in and taking on D'Angelo, who, you know, another one. And depending on how they, they do the rest of the matches, it, it, it looks like it's a lot of a lot of the talent who they're, they have a lot of hopes for in the future. So I think that's, that's what what's good that came out of it. They also, I think, accomplished their goal by having Sokoa defend the title last Friday on SmackDown. Like with Kevin Owens being there with John Cena, they got one of the NXT titles on a main show. And right now, SmackDown is the main show in WWE. When you look at the viewers, when you look at the ratings, and when you look at the star power, uh, mostly by Roman Reigns, of course. Uh, I know Mandy Rose has been on Tusk Attraction showed up, and they, I think they had the tag titles with them at the first time they did, but uh, I think they accomplished their goals last with what they had set out last week with Sokoa winning. And while I also agree, I would have liked to see him have it longer because I I advocated that he pull double duty so he could work on the, the the basics a little more, the fundamentals while down at NXT. Uh, this also works because his presence alone is enough to be on the main roster, to be on SmackDown without any more need for the, the reps at NXT, because I'm sure he's going to get those reps along with the bloodline while he's traveling with them to and from shows. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. For sure. Um, Sean, uh, any follow-up or I'll give you one more. We do have another caller on the line. I was just going to say, yeah, whether it's Brad or Ryan, man, I, I'm going to, I apologize. I'll get to you. I, I, 
I, it's been so long. I've called on the show. It's just been crazy. I, I just feel like I got to get too much in here. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's great. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you guys was going back to Oral Mensa because I, I again I haven't got to watch. I haven't seen him at all. I don't know you know much about him. Uh, but the match with Grayson, I thought. I mean, the match was okay, you know okay, but again, the end. I, I haven't seen Apollo since he's been in NXT a lot. So like when he came out, it was like, whoa, that's weird. And all of a sudden, there's blood from his eyes. Like, whoa, <laughs> that's really odd. Um, yeah. It threw me off. It took kind of took me out of it a little bit. I so I want to hear what you guys thought about the match, which I thought was fine. I mean, the finish was weird because um, I don't know enough to really know what they were trying to do there. I know Grayson and Apollo, you know, fought a few weeks ago, but I don't know much about what's been going on between them. But Oh, uh, and and kind of going back to how much time, you know, do you think Grayson's going to be in NXT still for a while, or do you think he's going to go, you know, because I, I thought he'd go up to the main roster sooner rather than later, and he's been there for a while. And so I'm curious what you thought of the match, where you think Grayson's going, and, and kind of talking a little bit about Oral Mensa. And Nate, always good to talk to you, man. Bruce, like I said, hopefully I can talk to you again soon, man. I appreciate, I always appreciate you guys taking my call. No problem. Thank you. Yeah, dude, absolutely, absolutely. Appreciate you uh, calling in. Um, Let me set up that finish real quick, Nate. Uh, yeah, do it up for Sean. So when they had their match a few weeks ago, Grayson Waller raked the right eye of Apollo Cruz twice during the match. One early in the match, and the second time uh, when Cruz went for his finisher, which allowed uh, Waller to hit his and then win the match. So that the blood coming from the eye is supposed to be uh, some kind of indication or, or a callback to the eye being scratched during their match a couple, like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I don't remember how long ago it was, but that's what the callback was to. That's what the blood was washed today. I'm glad you remembered that because, man, I was like, what the hell is the blood? All I, had to cover, I covered that match that night. So that was my night for report for the live report. That's why I remember. All right. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Because, yeah, I, I, it's the only I reason have... I remember. Now that you say it, I remember it. But like I've been I've been kind of like, what the hell was that all about? You know, like well, I missed the eye rake during the finish of that match. And so uh, a reader or, or a reader pointed it out. And that's the only reason I remember specifically about the eye scratch during the during the finisher. So fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, Grayson Waller, I'm actually kind of surprised he's not on the main roster yet. Um, he's uh, a phenomenal heel. Um, I feel like he's. He hasn't been on TV nearly as much as he was like a few months ago. Um, but still, I mean, he's he's a phenomenal talent. He's amazing in the ring. Uh, his his mic work and his heel work is is great. Um, I, I mean, again, you could pluck him, you know, just like with uh, Carmelo Hayes. I feel like you could just pluck him right out of NXT, put him on the main roster and, and you'd you'd have a good heel right off the bat. Um, he'd need a good story, I think, because I don't think a lot of people that would be watching the main roster really know who he is. Grayson Waller is. Um, but uh, yeah, he'd need, so he'd need a good story to come in and, and uh, you know, show off those heelish chops. But with Triple H in, in charge, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'd be able to make that happen and, and, and do, it in a, uh, do it in a way that would be meaningful for Waller. Um, this match I thought was great. Uh, Oro Mensa, I don't know much about him either. Um, he's been, according to cagematch.net, he's been around for, he's been wrestling since like 2012. Uh, he's been with WWE since uh, 2019. Uh, he was wrestling as Oliver Carter for a very, for a long time. Um, this, I believe, is his first match under the Oro Mensa name. Um, but he's been, you know, wrestling in, in UK for, for a while now. Um, He's uh, but yeah, that's that's really all I, I, I kind of know about him. Just kind of 
quickly what I've been looking up here. Um, so I can't really speak to that too much, but I was really impressed with what we saw. Um, he, he pulled off like a really cool looking Pele kick towards the end of the match. Um, I really just his overall vibe, his energy, uh, his moveset. I, I really like I, we're going to. I kind of want to see some more character work, character development out of him. Obviously, it's the first time he showed up on NXT, so it's not like you're going to get everything right on the first, um, you know, the first debut. But I'd, I'd like to find out a little bit more about him. I think it's cool he's from Ghana. I think, as far as I'm aware, Kofi is the only other one that has ever wrestled from Ghana in WWE, anyway. So I think that's definitely kind of cool. You know, to have um, you know the second person uh, from Ghana to wrestle uh, for the company is is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, overall, like I, I thought this was a good match, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the Oro Mensa brings in the future. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows. With ads and plugs removed, the Wade Keller Processing Podcast, Wade Keller Processing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. Bruce. It was a good match. Nothing spectacular. It was better to me than the two match with Cora Jade. The, yes. um, let me see here. Let me get to my report real quick just to make sure I can get my my thoughts. Um, so, yeah, the former Oliver Carter. He went, I was watching UK when he debuted, and they immediately put him on a team with Ashton Smith, I believe was his name. And you could tell immediately uh, when Carter debuted the now Oral Mensa that he just had a lot more charisma and character and personality to him. And it's not surprising that I believe Smith is gone and, and Carter's still here. Uh, Mensa, I should say. I thought he did fine in the backstage interview with uh, the former Quinn McKay. The What, what was her name uh, tonight? Claire, Kelly Kincaid. Kelly Kincaid, the former yep. Quinn McKay. Uh, I'm not. I I can't remember if she's been on screen before or not. But for me, this is the first time I can remember seeing her on screen. The, the, the uh, name the name Kelly Kincaid rang a bell, so I want to say she has been. But okay. but you might be right. I, who knows? Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, I, I think he did fine, and I I liked how he explained. I think it was a bit uncouth for her to ask about his name. But I, I think he responded well in terms of explaining what his name means and how he's going to, what his kind of character is and how he's going to be. So well, I think they've is- they've been doing that though. Like I remember them asking Odyssey Jones why he chose Odyssey Jones, um, and I know there've been a couple as well, a couple others as well. Like they, during the debut like interview, they asked why they chose the name, which I I don't really like either. But it's well, definitely not the first time I did it. I guess my question will be is. Uh, how many how many of those questions are going towards white wrestlers and how many aren't? And so that that's to me yeah, that's a good I, point. Yeah, that's point. to me where I feel like it's usually only asked towards the wrestlers of color, but um and the, especially the black wrestlers, but that's that, I, I could be missing some and that's just my perspective. But I think that I, I don't know if they asked uh Katana Chance about it, but I remember Katana Chance specifically talking about why she changed her name on screen. Um, again, I don't remember if she was asked about it, but I do remember her bringing it up. I think the first time she was on screen as Katana Chance in the back. So, so, so there is that, but I think for for the most part, it's usually towards the wrestlers who aren't white, and uh, for the most part, who aren't men. But that's that's a different discussion. Um, 
the match itself, yeah, it, it's what you normally expect from a Grayson Waller match, I think. Uh, he's going to get his heel spots and he's going to do his taunts. He's going to try and get all the heat on him, which is what a good heel should do. Um, but the ending was, and I think this was a theme if you look at last night's Raw, distraction endings uh, are just a thing in WWE. There, there, there's no, it seems like the playbook is more distraction ending than distraction ending being kind of the trick play. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's not good. Although tonight there, there weren't as many distraction endings, I will say. You know, um, I think Cora J, that match was clean. Uh, the chase you, the chase you tag team match that was clean. The main event that that was clean. I think all matches were clean except for the uh, this match. So so that's good. But I don't know if the distraction was necessary to continue the feud. I think he could have had Mensa still go over, and while Waller is complaining, have Cruz appear and freak him out. But um, I guess by having a, a interference that cuts down on some time. And uh, it just falls in line with what they do. And it's one of those booking things, those little things that just are, are, are irritating because it's not difficult to get rid of it and to, to just tweak it to where it works. But it's frustrating because of how stubborn they are that they keep doing it over and over, regardless of how many times they're criticized for doing the same thing. All right. So with that, let's go to the last call of the night. Um, area code 814. Uh, all right. It looks like you've been brought on. So, uh, I think this is Ryan. Yeah, this is Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland. All right. That's what I thought. Ryan, what do you got for us tonight? My first question is on Tyler Bate and his loss to JD Madonna. Since it was a clean loss and I think he looks a little bit heelish in those sunglasses when they first shared him a little ways before the match um, you think he could possibly join Gallus as a uh, heel turn possibly or get a character makeover because sometimes when they lose clean these baby faces they uh, change into a different character hmm. I don't know I hadn't really thought about it um, he I mean I don't know if I necessarily want to see him join Gallus. Um, I kind of like Gallus the way it is, uh, with, you know, with with the coffees and um, uh, I wanted to call- shadow Gallus too. Yeah, and I want I wanted to call him Wardlow. Wow, that Wolfgang. Wolfgang? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, duh. So, but yeah, I, I kind of like. WWE. I I very rarely, very rarely. I don't know how Wardlow almost came out there. Um, but uh, but yeah, so you know, I, I kind of like Gallus the way it is. I don't know if I'd necessarily want to see Tyler Bate join Gallus unless there was some really cool story behind it. But I think Bruce is right. I think he would overshadow everybody else in Gallus. He'd, he's the most popular person. He'd he'd instantly be the most popular person in the stable. Um, Which is funny because he's also the smallest person, so right overshadow them. Yeah. It is kind of yeah, it is kind of funny. Um, almost like Mustafa Ali in, in Retribution. If if uh, not that I want to talk about Retribution, uh, but um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like you know, because I was kind of thinking about this too. I mean, since Tyler Bates come back to NXT, I mean, this is his second loss now, um, to which I thought was kind of interesting. It's I feel like he can, you know, he can still come back from it, and he's he's very decorated within nxt uk and and uh you know and all of that he's clearly loved by the fans 
I don't think he's going to lose much by losing this match, but it is going to be interesting to see how they build him back up. I mean, a heel turn could come, um, you know, shaving off those golden locks might, uh, you know, might help in terms of a heel turn or something. Um, but I, I don't know. I just don't feel it. Um, I could be wrong, but like, it just, I don't know. My gut tells me right now, it's not going to be any sort of like a heel turn or, or any major change for Tyler Bate. It's, it might, there might just be some sort of like a redemption story to kind of, you know, where he's been losing or something. Yeah. It might be, might do something like that. Almost like what Wesley did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't see any, any major heel, heel turn, at least that, that kind of streams out at me. What do you think, Bruce? Yeah. If Tyler Bates gone turn heel, I think he needs to do it by himself. I think any group he would be in would just be overshadowed by him, especially Gallus. And I hadn't watched UK for the last couple of years, but when I was watching and everything I remember from NFC even after I stopped or UK after I stopped watching was Gallus and Bates have and especially when, when they're mustache mountain, they've always had adversarial relationships. So I don't know why he'd want to join them. Even though it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend or whatever. You could do all that, but I don't think it works here. And I do think if you're going to have him go heel, there is one easy way to do that. And I think um, this also leads me to my to my next point. But the easy way to do that is for him to stop dressing like a, a 19 or 1800s Franciscan monk and to <laughs> to um, start dressing like Seth Rollins. And that's, I think, what his role actually is right now in NXT is he's the Seth Rollins of NXT. He's the, the wrestler, you know, who's always going to give you good matches, give you good promos always perform well, always be near the top of the card, but isn't going to necessarily be the champion. He's going to be in the title picture. But, I mean, if you look at Seth Rollins, this whole year he's been putting over Cody. He just put over Riddle. Um, He's going to be putting over basically a lot of people on the way to a redemption story sometime down the line. I think it's setting up for him to be a huge babyface. With Bait, you could do a, a heel turn with him constantly losing, getting frustrated, but... Um, like with Lee, I think the the money is like what they had with Sami Zayn is is the journey with with me, and you go on the journey with him. He has such a connection with the crowd. Uh, his style is very friendly, even for those who because he can work a a a faster paced match. He can work a match style, a submission style, and he can work a strong style. And I think that hits a a wide section of the wrestling audience's taste. And for him. To me, what that says is if that heel turn does come, it's going to be that much more effective if done well because of how much the crowd, the audience, the viewers feel a connection to him as a face. So I wouldn't advocate for it unless there is a lockdown solid story for him to turn heel, kind of like even though this was the night of, but like Kevin Owens immediately turning on, on Sami Zayn and setting up who his character would be. You need to have some kind of moment like that. Um, not Dominic Mysterio turning on his dad, not even Damon Kemp turning on the creeds. You, you need a more impactful moment if Tyler Bate does indeed turn heel. So those are my thoughts um, on him as a heel. But I, I think it's best to look at him as the Seth Rollins of NXT. I think if you look at it that way, it makes a lot more sense as to his position and why he keeps losing. I really like that comparison, Seth Rollins of NXT. I think that's a that's a pretty good comparison for that for sure. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Ryan, any uh, any follow up or uh, another point for us? Another question I have is on this Kelly Kincaid uh, correspondent backstage. You know she's been training as a wrestler because I know 
the local federation a couple hours up the road. She wrestled for PWX and then she was in Ring of Honor for a good while wrestling, I believe, Mandy Leon and her stable of wrestlers. And she's been on level up as a correspondent, but not a wrestler. So I just wondered if you knew if she's been doing anything else besides announcing for them. I, I don't honestly know. Um, uh, Tom, Tom might, we could check in with Tom. Maybe he could say something on bonus point or something like that about it. But, uh, I, I don't know if she's been, you know, try, I know she, she's wrestled in the past. Um, but as far as, um, you know, and I know for Ring of Honor, she was, uh, she was an announcer for them for a while. Um, but as far as an NXT, I don't know if she's been, training to be a wrestler it would not surprise me in the slightest if she was and also doing the you know announcing kind of on the side um but yeah i, I don't know any i don't know for sure anything would just be speculation out of at least out of my lips anyway bruce any uh any idea so if i remember correctly she when she signed with nxt it was on it was to be an announcer i think she indicated that that's what she wanted to do it kind of reminds me of when ref aja Pereira, aja smith um signed with nxt people are wondering why she signed as a referee and not as a talent or not as a wrestler and she said it's because she wanted to be referee so uh, i think this is one of those situations um yeah she was in ring of honor i think while she was she did announce in ring of honor too but but like like uh ryan was saying she trained and she wrestled. I don't know. I can't say if she's training now. I haven't looked into that much. But but if I remember correctly, if she wanted to be a uh, a backstage announcer, interviewer type of person. So I think this is right in line with her career goals at the time. So um, if that's the case, good for her. Um, if she wants to wrestle, she's in the perfect place to also to do both and to learn. So. Um, we have seen in the past that not everybody can do both or or can take to both as well. You know, Brandy Rhodes trained while she also announced. And as we saw in AW, it didn't, it, she just never took to it as well. Um, Josh Matthews tried and he had to stick with announcing because he just wasn't, you know, he's not tough enough. And oh, yeah, he was, just, wasn't he? Yeah. And he just wasn't. I mean, he's not a good announcer either, but he found at least a role for himself in wrestling as an announcer. So there are there are those people that do try both. But. Um, if she wants to be an announcer and stick with that, good for her. And if not, then she still has an opportunity there to definitely train and keep training and keep learning. And um, the PC is there for her. The weight room is there for her. The, the promo classes are there for her. I think um, if she does end up deciding to want to wrestle again, she's in the perfect spot to do that while she still does her announcing gig. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I mean, yeah, I mean, even like you know, Brandy Rhodes when she was down in NXT. I mean, she was training. She was training uh, to be a wrestler as an announcer, as as well as an announcer. Um, you know, in ring announcer, backstage announcer, and whatnot. So it's not it's it's not unheard of. So like I said, it really would not surprise me if if she already has been training for you know to be a wrestler. Um, or you know, if it was something she wanted to do that you know should be should be able to slide into that role, no problem. So. But, uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, we, any, anything, uh, any follow-up on that or, uh, anything else for us, Ryan? I have a other topic. It's on the Axiom character. I thought sure. Wade Barrett said something very interesting during the announcing. He knew that Axiom was 25 years old and his gimmick is he's a superhero and his identity should be secret. So is there like a storyline where maybe Wade Barrett knows the identity of axiom is a kid somehow um 
I think it's an open secret. Yeah, I mean, like, I I don't know. I hadn't really thought I hadn't really thought about that, but because he did, you know, he mentioned he mentioned the ages because I didn't even realize I didn't realize Nathan Frazier was only twenty four. I thought he was a little bit older than that. He looks a little bit older than that. Um, well, they also mentioned their history, their, their familiarity with each other. Is like they, how would you know that if right? Because just yeah, I think it's an open secret kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and and it's kind of you know, I thought that was kind of funny too because they kept talking about how well these two know each other and all that, and I'm thinking to myself. Didn't Axiom just debut? Didn't didn't the whole impetus for this best of three come because Nathan Frazier was talking about Axiom about how Axiom missed everything in NXT UK? Like that that's and he wanted to get it a little bit of taste of what NXT UK was like. That's what was the better. whole Yeah, and that's what the whole basis of this best of three was. So just to then bring up, oh, these two know each other so well, like I, I don't know. It's it was a little weird. Um if I had to guess, I mean I'm, and this is this is a stretch, but I mean, you know, kayfabe, right? If you're going to be a wrestler, you know, you've got to, you got to, you know, as with any company, you've got to disclose who you are and your social security and, you know, your your date of birth and everything. So, I mean, I guess when you sign up to be a wrestler, you, you give all that information and it goes in a database, and then the announced team can look at it. That's that's my head canon anyway. Um, but as but yeah, I mean, it, the way that they're making it sound, it kind of does seem like it's an open secret that Axiom is a kid or something along those lines. Wrestling fans, if you're looking for a unique and entertaining way to get your wrestling podcast fixed, check out Ring Rust Radio. Ring Rust Radio uses its trademark brand of banter to cover all professional wrestling you love, including WWE, NXT, New Japan, Lucha Underground, ROH, Impact Wrestling, and more. We also hold sit-down interviews with some of the biggest names in the history of the business, such as Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Trish Stratus, AJ Styles, and Roman Reigns. For those of you who want their wrestling with a perfect mix of serious analysis and comic relief, find Ring Rust Radio dropping every Wednesday night on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Bruce, anything else? Let's let's play out Ryan's scenario here. Uh, if... They could be dropping things just in case the Axiom character doesn't work out. And maybe Wade Bear is the heel guy in all those superhero movies who's threatened to reveal who Axiom is um, if they don't do certain things, yada, yada, yada. And because of that, I would love Axiom, that. Axiom himself ends up being the one to unmask, kind of like Mysterion in South Park. And everyone's like, oh, I knew it was that kid. And, and Mr. Garrett's like, oh, to think Mysterion was a kid in my class. It's like, they all look the damn same. We don't know who it is. But that's that's a different story, right? Um. That that could be the the scenario I see where it this that could happen, but to me, um, I think that there's also a second scenario where the, these sorts of lines are being dropped by Barrett because they're setting up for an Axiom heel turn, where Barrett is kind of his uh, unofficial official spokesman. Like they never, they're never seen on screen together. But during the matches, Wade Barrett always has some insight from Axiom or something. That could yep. be something that goes on later. Um, regardless of where it goes, I will say what I like tonight about Axiom is his gear. It wasn't the black and gold he usually comes out in. It was a very nice, distinctive red and gold. It almost reminded me of a cross between like Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik and what they used to wear. Yeah, so, actually. Um, it, it looked pretty. It looked really good, and um, I think the mask this tonight 
it seemed like with the black and gold mask he had been using in the past, the past couple, uh, the past times he had been wrestling, that he was adjusting it a lot more. I didn't notice that as much tonight. So I think they must have found a good uh, compensation between uh, what be, between um, the fabric, the material, and breathability. So um, another thing to keep an eye out on. But yeah, I, I think I think if hmm. Yeah, I think the most likely scenario for going to follow Ryan is that um, it's some kind of, of unmasking scenario uh, that is spurred by a heel Barrett as the announcer threatening to explore, uh, ex- uh, expose all of his secrets. I would love to see like almost shades of bad news Barrett or something like that, like try to expose Axiom. Bad news Axiom. Yeah, you know, that would be that'd be hilarious. Like, I, I'm not I don't want to see announcers get involved in storylines all the time. But every once in a while and when it's with the right person with Corey Graves and Corey Graves would get kind of get involved with some things because he had he you know knew some backstage information, had knew a guy or whatever. Um, like, I really like that. I think that's kind of kind of cool. And it just adds a little little something to to the character and the announcer, too. But they got to do it. You got to do it in the right way, because then it kind of also takes away some of credibility from the announcer. It has to be the well, color guy, but and in the kayfabe perspective, even when so so you as a, a wrestler, unless you have the mic in your hand, that's the only time people are going to hear from you. The right. ring the the commentators, even after your match, they could still be brought up. Like you, you hear Barrett bring up other stuff that happened throughout the night or different ma- different nights oh, all yeah. the time throughout the show. So if you're a heel wanting to get a certain message out, what better way than to turn an announcer on your side? So again, it, the other example of, of Axon turning heel and using Barrett, I think is also plausible. I, I think both are unlikely, but I think the, the, pos- the, the fact that we're discussing them as possibilities is a good sign for NXT. Oh yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, Ryan, uh, any, uh, any follow-up or I'll, I'll give you one more. I think I gave you four, but that's okay. I'll give you one more uh, if you got it. This is the fourth one uh, been counting. Uh, Songa, you think he's in danger of getting released since he uh, lost to Von Wagner? I know it was a little bit of a screw draw with Mr. Stone getting involved. But I was still a little bit surprised how quickly, you know, Von uh, Wagner won the match. I don't think Songo's really on the verge of getting released. I mean, he's. I think Von Wagner was the one to. There was the right one to win the match because yeah. just because of the way that Von Wagner's been being pushed for the past year or so. Um, so I think he was he was the the right one to win the match. Sanga is you. Know, I I like Sanga. I like what he can do in the ring. He's still green, but from what he's shown us, um, you know, the last couple times he's been in the ring, like I've I've been somewhat impressed. Um, backstage, he can show he shows he's kind of versatile with you know being a bit of a comedic character, but also being at times being a serious character. I think that the WWE environment would be a perfect place for Sangha. Um, if Vince was still around, I think it'd be a perfect character for Vince to kind of play around with on the main roster, some sort of, you know, monster heel or maybe if start as a dramatic. If not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, maybe start as a monster heel and wind up like the great Kali or something like that. Um, but, you know, we'll, we obviously we'll, we'll see what happens with Sangha as time goes on, but I don't think that this was anything, more than just building Von Wagner up a bit more. Um, you know, we don't see him super, super often. And when we do see him, it's kind of 
I don't say squash or anything like that, but but mostly a squash. Um, then, you know, now we kind of, you know, two big guys going at it. And I mean, the match itself wasn't great. Uh, it was probably the worst match of the night, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it was pretty slow and plodding. And, and, you know, a lot of times you think, oh, you know, two monsters, like on paper, two giant monsters get in the ring and fighting, like, sounds great. But a lot of times you just get a plodding clunker. And I, I kind of, I, I wouldn't say it was like a, a super clunker. I did actually, I did write in the hits and misses. I thought it was a clunker. But it's like, looking back on it, I wouldn't say it was like a super clunky match, but it, uh, it still clearly showed that both Sangha and Von Wagner have some work to do in the ring still. Um, but it is developmental, so they're in the right spot. Um, but yeah, overall, I think Von Wagner was the right choice here based on the way they've been pushing him over the past you know, year. Um, and Sangha, Sangha's lower on the card than Von Wagner. If if Sangha, I would have been very surprised if Sangha won. Um, and I would have thought you know, if, he, if he did win, that there would have been a push coming for him. Um, but I mean, Von Wagner, as far as I know, is undefeated right now, as far as I can remember. So it it kind of makes sense. Uh, that's the way that this this went, Bruce. I'm I'm fairly certain Wagner has lost at least one or two matches. I just can't remember to who in the past few months, but uh, different story. So I don't think Sangha is in danger of getting cut. I think he's in the exact spot where he needs to be for his level and his presentation. What I, so if if I'm just comparing these two together, the opponents, right? I think Wagner is much closer to his ceiling, while Sangha still has a lot more potential to fill. And when I look at it in that regard, I, I don't see why WWE would let him go. He just has too much to offer. When I look at Sangha, yes, he is still very green in the ring, I mean, but he just started not too long ago. And you, not everyone picks up at the same pace as Kurt Angle or whatnot or Tiffany Stratton, but he's so tonight's match. I think. Von Wagner as his opponent definitely didn't help. You could see when they were trying to, to set up their spots, especially the last part where Wagner was trying to get him up for his finisher. Like you could definitely tell that that they're trying to get that spot just right. Um, but the thing with Sangha that when you look at him, he he has a lot of charisma. He has a presence to him. He, uh, I guess the best way to put it is he is comfortable on the mic. He doesn't seem intimidated when he has to give. Um, a promo either um, up front or in the back. There's definitely a lot that they could do with him because of his size and his power. Um, but he also has that... Even even when he's trying to act more heelish, there's something endearing about him and his, his presence. And I think that was shown a bit in those backstage vignettes or, or the videos with him and Casey Carter or Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro. Katana Chance, I guess now. Um, and how he always encourage, and then with Ulyssa Leon and and uh, Valentina Froyce and how he's encouraging them, and last week about how they set this match up. I think all those qualities lead me to believe that they're going to be patient with him. Um, he has more of all the things I'd want in a wrestler than Omas does, and we could, we see how much time and TV time and how much of you know how many prominent matches he's been in the last year or so. I think I think Sangha's going to be fine. Um, I, I'm more confident in his development than i am in certain someone like von wagner yeah i i kind of i kind of tend to agree i mean von wagner has been with the company now since 2019 um you wrestled as cal bloom for quite a while um not necessarily on tv mostly dark matches uh anytime he showed up on tv he was like security or something like that um but the fact that he's been wrestling for as long as he has been now and 
you know, he, he hasn't really seemed to improve much. Um, I'd say in the last like six months or so, like, I kind of feel like you're right. He's probably at his ceiling for where he's going to be technically in the ring. Um, now obviously, I mean, with time, he'll still improve, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think Sangha has, um, does have a bit of a higher ceiling and, and I feel like he can, like, I, I just feel like he's a little bit more crisp in the ring. He's still green, but like, I, I like what Sangha brings to the table, um, you know, with his move set a little bit better than Von Wagner, I guess, I guess that's, that's a better way of putting it. That's like Christmas, but I just like what, uh, you know, what Sangha brings a little bit better. I just um, thought of the, the perfect comparison for Von Wagner. Sure. He, he is 2.0's version of Aaliyah. Like, they've been there for so yeah. long. And there's been no discernible improvement. There's been marginal improvement, but they still got their jobs. You know, good for them, I guess. And, and Aaliyah yeah. has championship reign in her belt as a tag team champion, even if it was just for a week or two. But she got it. So yeah, that's true. For her. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I kind of yeah, I like that comparison, too. I like that. You're, you're on a roll with the comparisons tonight. Hey, look at me. Yeah, right. Ryan, uh, thank you very much as always, man. Any uh, any follow up for us there? Well, uh, I will say Vaughn Wagner was on a pretty impressive losing streak to winning that match according to cagematch.com. Yeah, and actually, I I just Leah. went I just went back myself and looked, and I'm like, all right, I was wrong. He he did have a few losses there, but just you know, yeah, just a few. <laughs> all right, I Ryan. I disagree with the one. One comment. I think Aaliyah has proved pretty good since the main roster, but that's just me. I'm just a fan of what she brings to the table. I mean, if you've been here for, what, eight, seven years or whatnot, there should be more improvement than what she's showing. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust. And now it's back shinier, brighter, it smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel. And you can check out daily news updates, the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches. And I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself, go check it out. YouTube.com slash PW Torch, and be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos. So, all right, Ryan, thank you very much, man. We appreciate it. Um, let us move on to, uh, you know, let's actually go to the email segment yeah. here and touch on those. Um, unfortunately, I closed my tab, so I'm going to fill time by just randomly talking about me closing my tab we're gonna start with uh we actually have two emails from jb as as we usually do um so we'll start with hi team it's jb from detroit i'm of the opinion that the baker hater storyline has dragged out uh far too long at this point i understand they're going for a wardlow mjf story but it's never had quite the same heat in my opinion also is the fact that the women's title being defended in a four-way on two consecutive big shows a sign that tk <laughs> tk is getting lazy with the women's division um i feel like <laughs> i feel like this email was meant for an AEW show it was probably meant for mike um, and andrew or something yeah so <laughs> i'm okay all right i was confused going through all of this but like, like hater and baker yeah i'm like okay so 
I'm uh, yeah, we'll leave that one alone. Let's go to JB's second second email, <laughs> um, which uh, is titled Pub Rules Match. He says, hi, team. It's JB from Detroit. I know everybody is not the biggest fans of Gallus, but in my opinion, this feud with Briggs and Jensen is making a joke out of their serious badass act. This upcoming pubs rule match almost feels comical because Briggs and Jensen are now involved. Also, is this schism versus Cameron Grimes angle giving you a poor man Daniel Bryan joins Wyatt family and revol- uh, and revolts minus Chinese Chinese? Why did I say Chinese? It's not even in there. Uh, hold on. Okay, so also, does this schism versus Cameron Grimes angle give you a poor man's Daniel Bryan joins the Wyatt family and revolts vice minus Grimes actually joining them at any point? Uh, finally, on Braun, on commentary, it was painfully bad. It was like putting teeth, pulling teeth to get him to say anything. And when he did, it was never anything of actual substance. As always, love the show and go VIP. As far as Braun Breaker goes on commentary, yeah, that was painful. Um, he uh, is clearly a signer. He's got a very limited vocabulary. Um, we'll leave it at that. Uh, he just could not really cut it on uh <laughs> cut it on commentary tonight at all um it it seemed like it seemed like they were trying to get him to to kind of give a little bit more and he just did not know what to say like it was comical and cringeworthy all at the same time um schism versus Cameron Grimes that angle yeah kind of sort of gives is a little bit reminiscent of da- Daniel Bryan joining the Wyatt family um i i kind of like there's part of me that wants to see Cameron Grimes join Schism because I feel like there could be some cool things there, but at the same time, I really like Cameron Grimes and his you know the current incarnation of him, even though he hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot, um, you know, of substance anyway. He's on TV here and there, but like he hasn't been in any major. This is really I think like his first major storyline in quite a while. It might even be since you know the Ted DiBiase was around. Um, yeah, no, no, he challenged for the title, I think. But regardless, yeah, Nate, just 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 stop trying to do callbacks. Yeah, you should probably stop because, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm lucky. I remember what I had for breakfast this morning, let alone what happened like six months ago. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's like I, I I wouldn't be disappointed if if Grimes was to join Schism, but at the same time, I don't know if it's the right the right move either. Um, this pubs rules match uh, with Briggs, Jensen, and Gallus is a little weird. Um, it like tonight just kind of gave me some like APA vibes, like just when the APA would be backstage drinking beer and playing cards. That's kind of what the whole Gallus before Briggs and Jensen showed up. That's what it kind of reminded me of with Gallus sitting there, you know, throwing darts, playing poker, drinking in a bar. Um, Briggs and Jensen show up. They start like some verbal beef and then security shows up and starts like, you know, holding the two back. And I'm thinking to myself, why the hell is WWE security at a bar? Right. Like That's just kind of weird. But, you know, is what it is. I also thought it was kind of weird that like they're holding them back, but like not at the same time. Like you have have, like four, four or five security guards there and they've got like one hand on like one of them. And. It just, I don't know, it was really weird. Like, they weren't really trying to hold them back. Maybe it was just the way the bar was set up. I don't know. But um, well, if you actually try, then you can't have them be like, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Yeah, no, that's true. But, I mean, like, it, it even on, like, I mean, normally it seems like they're trying to hold them back. Tonight it was, like, just, it seemed like just a like half-assed, total half-assed thing. Yeah. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I'm curious to see what a pub rules match is. I'm assuming it's going to be some sort of a no DQ, you know, false count anywhere thing in a pub. But, you know, it could be something like uh, a good housekeeping match between China and Jeff Jarrett, where they just bring a whole bunch of things that belong in a pub around the ring. And that's what you can use for a weapon. I don't know. Um, it's weird. And I, I, I kind of. I kind of agree with JB. It kind of takes a little bit of that badassness away from Gallus. Um, Briggs and Jensen, they're where, while I'm higher on them than I used to be, um, you know, they're, I don't know. I, I just, they're the, the feuds that they've been in and the angles they've been in just have been so lackluster and kind of comical at points where it, they don't feel like a major threat against somebody like Gallus, or, you know, a team like Gallus. Um, I feel like if this was NXT UK, Gallus would just street steamroll over the two of them. Uh, granted, I guess it didn't necessarily happen because they won the titles, uh, at the UK titles. But still, like in a, you know, if this was a, a different world where NXT UK wasn't going away or anything, um, I feel like Gallus would just like completely, completely decimate them. Um, yeah, so. On JB's email for Gallus Schism and Braun Breaker on commentary. So first with Schism Grimes, it doesn't remind me of Wyatt Family Dan O'Brien. It more reminds me of well with AW uh, a connection here again. It more reminds me of early Dark Order and how they're trying to recruit and just be creepy about it, and it just wasn't working. So that's what I get from here. And I will say Cameron Grimes' promo tonight, the pre-recorded one. I wrote that, for lack of a better term, that was the most unhinged I've ever seen Cameron Grimes in NXT. Uh, he yelled a lot, uh, but I guess it was understandable. Uh, he, he really had uh, a furious look on his face. So, you know, throughout his time in NXT, we haven't really seen that side of him. We've really seen more of the comedic groovy side or the the, the happy-go-lucky baby face or the serious baby face, but not... Not the fire and brimstone baby face. So I think uh, that was a, a good opportunity for him to, to show a little more. When it comes to uh, oh god, no, I, remember, no, I just forgot. Uh, what was the second part of the email? The uh, um, so there was the I already archived it. Uh, so there was the Gallus stuff. Oh, the there Gallus. Was, there we go. Okay, Gallus okay. and then Braun Breaker in commentary. Uh, Brown Breaker commentary, does, nothing more needs to be said. When it comes to Gallus, so by your comments, I'm guessing you missed missed all this stuff. So they're in the backstage, actually. That was the area where Briggs and Jensen and Henley usually sit down and have their little beer and talk about being, you know, Southerners or whatever they do. And Gallus actually took that over and were mocking them, and that's why they were so mad when they came over, because that was Briggs and Jensen's uh, spot in the back they usually have, or they usually um, occupy, I guess, for lack of a better term. Okay, that so, makes more sense. Yeah, so, so they weren't actually in a bar. They were just in an area that Briggs and Jensen turned into a little bar. Um, the bar, the pub rules match. So I think there's one template they need to look at to make this match work and for both teams to come out looking better. And that's the barroom brawl between Sheamus and Cesaro before they formed the bar. Uh, it was the match that led to them becoming and naming themselves the bar, where they just were beating on each other, and then they decided to beat up on everybody in the bar. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah, they had a best so, of seven. Yep. That Yeah, and then they were in the bar, and then they just they beat on each other, and then, all right, you know what? We are the bar. So so I think that is the template they should use. Otherwise, I have a feeling this is going to be just too hokey, too cute, yeah. and 
Gallus, but you know, they're they are a uh, they're supposed to be a serious badass team. So for them to get dragged down into this is a bit, yeah, it does define them down a, a little bit. So hopefully they do things during the match, and, and I'm hoping they do a pre, almost like a cinematic type of match, a pre-recorded match here, that really gives them enough. For one, they should come out on top. But two, it, it's nothing that's they don't come out on top due to comedy or, you know, don't do the uh, the stadium stampede that AEW did, but do more of a, you know, not as brutal, but like Rock Mankind, uh, empty arena, right? So, something like that, but in a bar. It needs to be a little more brutal so that the teams come out looking good. Um, I was going to tie that to another segment from tonight, uh, but uh Okay, so Roxanne Perez said Mako Sadamura brought, uh, she she found uh, like a, a grit and toughness she didn't know she had thanks to Mako Sadamura. She thanked her for that. They need to have that kind of a match with the bar bar rules match or the pub rules match when if it's next. I think it's next week. They need to have that kind of a, a tough, intense physical match uh, for both teams to come out looking okay. All right, so let's go to. Kevin Catani's email. Kevin says, salutations, gents. I hope this email finds you well. With NXT 2.0 firmly in the rear view, I'm very interested to see how the next four to six weeks play out. What is a bold prediction that each of you have in that time frame? Also, I know that news just broke the other day about Survivor Series taking on the War Games, uh, War Games Montal. Uh, do you think NXT will play into that PLE at all, or will Hunter continue to keep things separate? Thanks as always, and go VIP and listen to 8YB off Office hours are now over. Professor Kevin P. Catani. So um, I'm also very interested to see how the next four to six weeks play out. I'm really interested to see how next week plays out uh, where this, you know, as we said earlier tonight, this was a taped episode. Next week is the first one where they go back live. Um, I'm really interested to see if there's any sort of aesthetic changes to the CWC um, or anything like that. I'm kind of thinking probably not where we had some aesthetic changes tonight, like very small ones. Um, I feel like if they were going to do any big aesthetic changes that we would have seen like no changes at all tonight and then see everything next week. Um, But still, I'm really interested to see what happens next week in terms of the overall presentation of the show. Um, As far as like a bold prediction that I have in this time frame uh, within the next four to six weeks, um, a bold prediction would be that Roman Reigns comes down and wins the title from Braun Breaker and holds every title in in WWE. That would be a bold prediction. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but that's a bold prediction I'm going to go with. Um, And then Survivor Series taking on the War Games model. I... uh, I kind of think this is cool. I'm I'm a little like there's part of me that's like War Games is our thing. That's an NXT thing. Why you bring that, you know, but at the same time, War Games is such a cool match. Um, bringing it to the main roster, I think, is it's kind of a cool idea. Triple H said that this is probably going to be a one and done. It's not going to be like Survivor Series going to be War Games every year, um, you know, or they'll do another War Games or something like this kind of going to be like the one. But um at the same time, it would not surprise me at all if this became like a a match on the main roster that we saw more often. Um, Triple H is much more apt to take ideas that were from other companies like WCW, um, such as War Games, and adapt them to the current product. Uh, Vince was like, nah, that ain't my idea. I, I don't want anything to do with it, um, which is why we never really saw War Games on the main roster. We just sat down NXT. 
So I'm uh, I mean, I'm definitely for it. I'm looking I'm looking forward to Survivor Series uh, war games. But at the same time, there's again, there's part of me that's like that's our thing in NXT. And it also makes me wonder, are we even going to see a war games match uh, or war games, you know, uh, match in NXT this year? Or is that just going to be? main roster this year and maybe we'll get it back next year you know so that's kind of those are my immediate thoughts uh thoughts there uh, also and uh, i think hunter will continue to keep nxt separate from the main roster um even though he's starting to go back to nxt like the black and gold era a little bit i think the developmental aspect is going to stick around at least for the foreseeable future and i think as long as that is the case we're going to see more of a separation from uh, with NXT and, and, and the main roster. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, we aren't going to see some more people come down from the main roster and feud with people in NXT and then maybe see them, maybe see those people from NXT show up on the main roster to continue that feud, um, which, you know, has happened here and there. But I think those are going to be kind of like the exceptions that, that break the rule or prove the rule or whatever the hell the, however the saying goes. Um, I think that you know, those will still happen periodically, but I don't think we'll ever see like, you know, Survivor Series from what was it four years ago, three or four years ago now, where NXT was like shown as a third brand and they were involved in everything. Um, I don't think that's that's in the cards, at least in the near future. Um, Bruce on Kevin's email. So bold prediction: uh, NXT invades Raw and SmackDown and does another Nexus 3.0. Uh, a realistic bold prediction. Um, let's see here. A realistic bold prediction. Mandy Rose is going to lose her title at Halloween Havoc. Ooh, that I like that. Prediction. I like that. Uh, and then when we're moving on to the next part of the question, which I already just forgot, even though we're just talking about it. God damn it. Uh, War um, Games. War Games Survivor oh, Series. All right, so War Games. I tweeted my thoughts about this when it was announced. And first is that as long as they give me EO Sky putting herself in a trash can, jumping off the top of the cage, I'll be happy. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so, because uh, Triple H did indicate, at least from the reports that I read, that there would be a men's and a women's war games match. So yep, I read that as well. that's the case, I'm, I'm assuming that damage control will be involved because they're the, they're the main faction of women right now who are kind of involved in every little aspect of the women's angles. So that... I think it is going to be given meaning that EO Sky will be in there, and hopefully she does do that. Um, both as as something for the the fans who haven't seen her on Raw on SmackDown, but also as a callback to those of us in NXT who remember those those fun times of her jumping off with her the trash can or off the in your house set um, to do a crossbody on Charlotte Flair and uh, uh, who was it? Uh, 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 someone else. But yeah. Uh, so uh, and then my other tweet about War Games was that. After thinking about it for a bit, I'm okay with the change for a couple of reasons. One is that for so long, Survivor Series has gone away from from feuds being the reason why teams are put together to brand supremacy. And that happened even when they had bragging rights as a paper. So that was so bland, so boring. Um, the only injection that made it even seem a little fresh was when nxt was involved and they had the three-way tie i think it was between or did nxt win i don't remember uh but they had the whole raw versus smackdown versus nxt thing but it's so 
Survivor Series used to be one of the main pay-per-views, and it's still considered one of the big four or big five, if you even count Money in the Bank, but it's lost some of its luster. What this does is removes the brand supremacy, makes it more about the actual fuse because it's going to be capped off by war games, and you can see how they're doing it right now. The bloodline versus pretty much everybody, right? Um, you could even have the match be Judgment Day versus Rey Mysterio, Edge, and whoever they find, right? Um, uh, you could even you could do the bloodline. Or, and on the women's side, you have Damage Control versus Bianca Belair, Asuka, Alexa Bliss. If they add a fourth, I, I, they haven't done a three-on-three War Games match. It's usually four-on-four. So I'm, I'm assuming there will be a fourth added to each team uh, regardless. But... Uh, it, it it just gives it a different sense, a different feel to it. And just that alone makes me more interested in Survivor Series than if they had just gone with the normal or, or the traditional, I, I guess, the plan they've used for the last 5, 10, 15 years regarding Survivor Series. Uh, I want it to get to a point, again, where these the, the Survivor Series matches are, are actually Survivor Series matches. There's more than one, um, but that they're built on actual feuds and rivalries instead of just thrown together or something about brand when no one cares about brand at all um yeah you don't have to wait for the wade keller pro wrestling post show to find out what i thought of monday night raw and smackdown each week you can check out my reports that are updated live throughout raw and smackdown at pwtorch.com my written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show and it'll also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at pwtorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, pwtorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. The, uh, the other thing, too, is not just War Games, but the fight pit is being brought from NXT to Raw because Seth Rollins and right. Matt Riddle are going to be wrestling in the fight pit. So you're seeing Triple H take what he knows worked in NXT and seeing if they will translate to a larger audience on Raw and SmackDown. So um, I, I hope it works. I don't know if the fight pick concept is going to appeal to as wide of an audience as some of the more, because at the time it worked because the NXT audience was that type of audience. I'm not quite sure if that will translate as well to the larger audience of Raw and SmackDown, but that's what these these experiments are for. And um, hopefully they, they continue to... to uh, prove beneficial because i think that means we're going to see more innovation happening at nxt as as the test site just like major league baseball uses the minor leagues to test out all the rule changes they later implement like the pitch clock or uh robot umpires and whatnot so th- that's what i hope happens but robot umpires see how it, yep uh at least uh, the umpires are still are, are human but they're being told balls and strikes by a computer or by a, by a relay that determines the strike zone. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I haven't watched baseball. Like baseball is like the only sport that I would actually watch. And I haven't really kept up with it in years. No. Um, but that's cool. I like that. that that's interesting. Um, 
What the heck was I going to say? Well, before you blew my mind with the robot <laughs> umpire, I had a point, and uh, I don't remember what the hell it was. Oh, Our fight game, pit. Survivor's it was fight a fight pit. pit. It was a fight pit. So I, I kind of agree with you. And I was thinking that myself when I read the fight pit was going to be, um, you know, moved to the main roster or, you know, put on the main roster. Um, because, like, even even when the fight pit happened and it was uh, Timothy, it was Thatcher and Ciampa, Timothy right? Uh, I think, wasn't it Thatcher and Riddle? Was it Ciampa? Ooh, maybe, I, let, let me look Oh, up. shit. Now yeah, I don't remember. Maybe, you know, now I, I think you're right. I think it was Riddle. Match. Um. Yeah, now I can't remember. But even even back then, um, I know it was fight uh, fight pit. Um, Matt Riddle, Timothy Thatcher. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So yeah, so even even back then, like I was wondering if it was going to work because all I could think of was the Lions Den match between Owen Hart and Ken Shamrock and how it sort of worked, but it really didn't work at the same time. Um, and I was kind of curious to see how it would work. And I mean, Thatcher and Riddle, like, I mean, it, that was a phenomenal match. Absolutely phenomenal match. Um, I think if anybody could make it work on the main roster, Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins can easy. And I mean, him working with Riddle, especially where Riddle's already worked a fight pit match. Um, I think it could work. It could definitely work. It's going to be, a, it's a gamble though, because I think you're right. I think the, you know, the crowd, uh, crowd may not necessarily be into more of like an MMA style match. Um, and they might be more into like wrestling, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I thought the fight pit was a great concept, a great idea, and it was executed super well down in NXT. So I'm curious to see how it works. Uh, curious to see how this, uh, this whole thing, the whole thing works it out. It also looks like Thatcher and Champ had the second fight pit match. The first one was Riddle and Thatcher. And I think okay. using Riddle as the, using Riddle as the, uh, the medium to introduce it to to Raw and SmackDown audiences is smart because he has that connection, and they could show footage of him as they're hyping the match. They could show footage of him in there um, and what happened in that match, even though he lost. It was a it was a great match. It was brutal. Um, and he, you know, him doing the floating bro off the top platform and whatnot. Those are the shots they can show to hype the match and get viewers interested in what the match is going to be. It's so weird that I just brought up the Lions Den match because as I was looking up to see who was That's in that fight pit match. Well, no, I know that, but it's weird that I brought it up because as I was looking it up to see who, you know, who was in that match, Riddle, you know, for Riddle and, and Thatcher, um, a headline came up from another website. Ken Shamrock wants to take a role in the Extreme Rules Fight Pit match. <laughs> I mean, so, look, that's they, they were that was based on his lines, Den and what they did. So it yeah. makes sense that he wanted to be involved and he does have a connection to WWE, not just in that in that Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar way. Um, in the uh, Dan Severn way, where they went to pro wrestlers as legitimate fighters who had that yep. that um, uh, I guess to be redundant, that sense of legitimacy to them that what they did in the ring, you you had a sense that they were really trying to hurt you. So uh, he'd be a good person. They had Kurt Angle as a special ref for one of the matches. I think it was the Thatcher and uh, and uh, a Riddle match, but. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if they've announced if there's going to be a special guest ref or just one of the, the usual refs, but it could be an interesting time to bring someone in who has a connection to both through NXT, whether that's uh, you know someone like Matt Bloom or one of the other uh, producers or coaches or even uh, Adam Pierce. So I, I'm going to be interested to see how, what they do with um, the officiating because it's not a match that 
the only rule basically is to get a pinfall or submission. So that's all they're going to be there for. But generally, I, I think there's going to be at least one ref bump during the match. So so we'll see how, how they go about and uh, laying it out and who's officiating. All right. So we've got a few other things to talk about, and we're already uh, coming up on the two-hour mark here. So let's. Uh, we haven't talked about uh, Dyad versus Anofe and Blade, and um, we got a bunch of other things to talk about too. Do you have? Um, I mean, really have any? Do you have anything to really say about Dyad versus Anofe and Blade? It's like, I I really can't think of much to talk about with that. Um, Anofe definitely is just has it just oozes potential. Um, Malik yeah. Blade still seems a bit. Like he's timid. a step behind. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it, timid, because it seems like he's still thinking through things. Yeah. I kept noting that he kept on his burgundy vest, joining Rich Fan in the Burgundy Vest Club, and uh, it ended up um, actually playing to their detriment because it was used to to distract him and get him uh, basically beat on a bit by by the dyad. I I don't like the the group. I, I don't really like Gacy, but I do appreciate the fact that we're seeing the dyad in matches and on TV week in and week out. And what they did tonight, I think, is a good template on how they should move forward. They're doing more stuff they did as grizzled young veterans in terms of their, their moveset and how they act in the ring. And I think that's going to do more to get us to, not, if not accept, at least tolerate schism um, yeah. than just trying to tell us to like them or to accept them. So, you know, that they're probably going to have to rename their, their finisher. I, I noticed that Joseph said Ticket 2, and then he didn't say Mayhem, because what it used to be, but, you know. Uh, I'd say keep an eye on Inofe. He's definitely someone I've been hyping for a long time. I, I just, there's just so much there. Uh, again, I, I'm just reminded so much of the potential we all saw in Montez Ford when he first came to NXT. Like, it's it's yeah. all it's, it's all there, and um there is no lack of confidence or charisma or anything with Inofe, and that's going to take him far as long as he doesn't. Uh, um, there are many stories of, of wrestlers who just their ego got too big for them. Uh, yeah. And I hope that like, I don't want him to pull a Daniel Pewter kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. he, he definitely has all the potential in the world. And I, uh, yeah, I don't want to say he's being held down by Malik Blade, but I think Malik Blade is lagging behind a bit on the development. I would agree. I would definitely agree. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Faye, in, he's – I really like the comparison to Montez Ford. I, I really do. It, it's I, very – and I didn't put it together myself, but now that you say it, it's very clear. I mean, very similar style. The charisma is off the charts, um, you know, and – Malik Blade, I don't think he's a bad talent by any stretch, but his his gimmick, I think, is also kind of keeping him back a little bit because his gimmick is, you know, to be like that timid geek. And I don't know if that's what he's trying to pull off in the ring is just try and play to that gimmick or if he is really trying to have if he has to like think everything through or think some things through while he's in the ring. Um, so I, I don't know, but I would agree with you. I wouldn't say that he would be that uh, blade is, is holding him back, but I definitely think that he's, he's certainly a step behind um, Malik blade or uh, sorry. It Ederson Ofe is definitely the, the Shawn Michaels of the group. Um, yes, yes, for sure. For sure. So, um, all right. 
So we've got, let's see, we uh, we kind of touched on the Albafire video package for Mandy Rose. Um, we've got the stuff with Damon Kemp, um, as as well as Julius and Brutus deciding on Brutus being the one to take Damon Kemp on next week. Um, we had Quincy Elliott. Uh, we had a, well, it was a recap of his debut. Um, we had, let's see what else we had. Uh, Gallus, uh, Wesley's cleared for action. Um, and he's going to be in the North American qualifier match. Um, taking a freaking buy instead of taking the buy against Tony D'Angelo. Um, and then we also had a vignette for an introduction for soul Ruka. Um, again, so yeah, anything, um, anything stand out there that you want to, uh, want to bring up? Um, so the soul Ruka thing is interesting because she, I, I'm fairly certain that she was supposed to debut either last week or two weeks ago, and then they aired another vignette, and then another vignette tonight that says she's debuting next week. So I wrote, she's debuting next week, or so they say, <laughs> because this is not the first time they've pushed back her her debut. Um, is she going to be the next Veer Mahan? <laughs> either that or um, Melina, I think, took like a year and a half or something like that to get to, to debut. Oh, God, not, yeah. not that long, but she took a long time. Um, when it comes to the Damon Kemp thing, uh, what I appreciate here is they show the security footage that Strong fan was going to show the, the Creed brothers, which, uh, which you know, they had the foresight to record him and the D'Angelo brothers in a segment with the money, and then showing that he was the one trying to signal D'Angelo about winning the title, the tag team titles, and it wasn't Roderick Strong, Um and it gave him a reason to, to take out Strong, and that's, you know, Strong found the video, so I need to take him out before he showed them the video. So I, I like how they, they patched up some of the, the holes in the story here, uh, using Kemp as, as the medium. I think, you know, he's still... I think this vignette, this, 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 uh, this, this, uh, this video promo was better than last week's, but he still has a long way to go there. But the thing that I, I I see here that gives me hope is he doesn't seem like he's intimidated to talk on the mic, even if his uh, charisma isn't necessarily there at this point. So there, that's a good factor for him. Uh, I think that what's going to happen is, you know, Brutus is going to lose. I think Kemp might do something underhanded. Uh, and then, before he gets to Julius, Roderick Strong is going to come back and demand a match. Strong is going to put Kemp over, I think, clean for that one. And then the, the ultimate match against Julius is where he loses, but after the match gets the last laugh by taking out Julius and the rest of Diamond Mine and then, and then you know, beginning a full-fledged heel run as he might not be a huge dude, but he is a strong dude who's just going to throw fools around the ring. So they could mold him into like a, a Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, Chad Gable mold and, and just have him throw fools around the ring as a heel. And I think that would go a long way towards establishing him as as uh, someone who is vindictive and uh, aggressive enough to have done that to Diamond Mine and Roderick Strong specifically. So um, I think they're they're on the right track there. Uh, let's see what else am I missing? Uh, I talked about the Sodomora and Perez video. It was it was a good video. I think they hit the right notes of Roxanne Perez again, talking about what she learned and how she needed to learn that from from Sodomora. I think it was also a good 
uh, tip of the cap by showing the bruises on her. Whether whether or not they're they're they've lasted two weeks or just a week, it was a nice shot because it looked pretty brutal. Um, what else did you bring up that I'm missing? I don't. Um, let's see. Wesley, uh, we talked about that. A bit. We talked about that. Uh, I brought up the Quincy Elliott recap oh, from his debut. Oh, there we go, Quincy. So they're calling his bonsai drop the diva drop. So. Uh, what we have seen since Triple H took over is they are naming, or they're at least naming moves as they happen a little more. And as we saw tonight, we're getting names, new names for moves that haven't had names yet, such as the Diva Drop for Quincy Elliott or the Golden Ratio for Axiom. So that's something to keep an eye on. But also remember, Vic Joseph never gets moves right. He's always says something wrong. So he keeps calling it the devil inside when you're supposed to say it to where it sounds like that, but it's Devlin's slide. You, you get what I'm saying? So, yeah. And he always said, moon over my moon salt. So yeah, just, just don't listen to Vic, listen to Wade and, and whatnot, but, but be aware that they're naming moves more and more. So keep an eye on that. All right. Um, so yeah, I think that covers just about everything on the show tonight. And if it didn't, well, tough. <laughs> my name's Nate Lindbergh and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Nate Lindbergh. I write the NXT hits and misses, which you can find up on pwtorch.com each and every Tuesday, uh, shortly before this show goes on the air. Bruce, who are you? I am Bruce Hazelwood. You can find me on Twitter at B underscore Lee 253. I am one of the live reporters with Kelly Wells. I did the report tonight, so you can see that up. I have been lucky in that while I do have to do Axiom versus Nathan Fraser matches, I've been missing the last few Nikita Lions matches. Those have all fallen on Kelly, so I'm thankful for that. Um, I also will probably have some news next week once things are officially signed and and. I'm not leaving, not, nothing like that, but just uh, some things happening for me that are good that I might be able to drop next week. I'm just waiting for things to be official, official. Um, and yeah, next week, Kelly should be back and we should have all three of us here. All right, guys. So with that, we will talk to you next week. Take care. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app.
a lot of you listen to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows who haven't watched the TV show we're talking about. A good way to catch up on what happened on the TV show is with my VIP-exclusive Wade Keller hotlines that follow Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. In fact, as soon as I wrap up recording the post shows with live callers and my co-hosts and our on-site correspondents, I send that off to the producer, and then I record the Wade Keller hotline, running down Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown start to finish. And it's not only a full rundown, a thorough rundown of what happened on the TV show, but also my analysis of the key segments and matches throughout the show, including opinions that I don't express on the post show. So as a VIP member, you can listen to that hotline first, which runs 20 to 40 minutes, and then jump into the post show with full knowledge of what happened on the TV show. That's just one benefit of being a VIP member. Another benefit is when you listen to the post show, the ads and plugs will be removed. So change up the way that you listen to our coverage of Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown by starting with the VIP Wade Keller hotline and then flowing into the Wade Keller post shows throughout the week. Go VIP pwtorch.com slash go vip pwtorch.com slash go vip rates start at nine dollars and 99 cents a month or get a full year for just 99 dollars. you can also get the weight killer hotline through our patreon tier that's just six dollars and 99 cents a month details on that are at patreon.com slash pwtorch vip